I want to ask you to take your Bibles and open to the book of Galatians, the book of Galatians. As we continue in the refinance series, The Devil's Lies and God's Truth. Now, while you're looking there, let's just ask some questions. And you don't have to raise your hand, but how many of you know people that have ruined their lives by buying the lies of the devil? How many of you know people that have bought the lie of the enemy about sexuality, about morality, about drugs or alcohol? Well, here's the problem. Just because you're saved doesn't mean the devil is still not trying to tell you lies. And the enemy is always probing and pushing and questioning. He's always asking us the question, has God said? Did God really say that? And even if he did, it's just because God wants to keep you from having a good time. That's the lie he told Adam and Eve. Listen, the devil is not the brightest bulb on the planet. He's got a major way that he works, and he's worked consistently for thousands of years. Just question whether God loves you and cares about you. That's his basic plan. And if we buy into it, then we begin to make the wrong decisions and miss the blessings of God. Galatians 6 and verse 7, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, this he will also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Now, now, here's what I understand. I understand where we are as a city. I understand where we are as a region. I understand where we are in recovery. I understand all of that. But I also understand this, that sometimes when preachers mention giving, stewardship, tithing, sacrifice, people think he's cussing. No, I'm just going to tell you what God says. And then you're going to have to decide before the end of this hour, are you going to believe what God says or are you going to believe a lie? Because if you believe a lie, you're just going to get further and further in a hole. If you believe what God says, you've got a pathway to victory and to deliverance from a lot of bondage that you're in. But if you believe the lie or if you try to justify the lie or if you walk in the realm of half-truth, you will find yourself not living in the victory that Christ wants you to live in. Here's what giving is. Giving is an outward expression of inward praise to God and obedience to his word. Giving is an outward expression of inward praise to God and obedience to his word. When I give, I'm making an outward expression of the praise of my heart to God for what he has done for me and obeying his word when I do it. Now, in the Old Testament, it talks about the tithe, and everybody wants to argue about Old and New Testament, but the New Testament talks about sacrificial giving. The tithe is a tenth. That's what the word tithe means, tenth. It doesn't mean 2%, 3%, 5%. doesn't mean 9.8. It means a tenth. And, and so when we talk about the tithe, you can talk about the 10%, which the average church member in America gives 2.5% of their income to the church. 2.5. We're not even close in our country of doing what God has said. We want God to bless our country. 
We want God to sustain our country. We want God to keep us from persecution. But why would God do that when people rob him? If you went and robbed your bank, there would be consequences, right? When you walk into a bank with a gun this week, and you rob that bank, and they catch you, there are consequences. Guess what? If we're robbing God, there are consequences. They're just consequences. You may not like it. Look, I'm, I'm not the one that made up the line. <laughs> it's out of God's Word. You take it up with the Lord. But you and I have to learn to think differently because Jesus never let people get off with just keeping the law. He said, you have heard it said, but I say to you. Read the Beatitudes. Read Matthew 6 through 8. You have heard it said, you know, don't commit adultery. I say to you, don't even look at a woman with lust in your eyes. You've heard it said, but I say to you, Jesus always raised the standard. And what he taught us was, you will do more under grace than you will ever do under the law. So here's a thought. The tithe is a starting place, not a jumping off place. And I, I've heard people say, well, you know, you give your tithe in the 90%, you do whatever you want with it. Last time I checked, if my life is his, my body is his, then my money ought to be his. It all ought to be his. And so what I do with what I have should be based on what God has revealed to me out of his word and all of it becomes his. All of it is his. So if you want blessings, don't buy the lies of the enemy. Malachi chapter 3, Jesus said, test me now in this. In other words, what Malachi was saying, talking for God, he says, you make a move of faith and see what God will do. You take a move of faith. And so here's the, here's the question. Are you, yes or no, Listening to the lies of the enemy in regards to your finances. Yes or no? It's a yes or no answer. It's not a maybe answer. It's not a partial answer. It's a yes or no. Are you listening to the enemy in regards to your finances? Malachi says in chapter 3 and verse 11, If you test me, I will rebuke the devourer. Now look at this quote. Everyone tithes. It's just a matter of where the money goes. Is it given to God's work and multiplied, or is it devoured? If you don't give to God, you will see the money devoured. Your car breaks down more often. You're spending more on medical bills and so on until it's gone. Proverbs 3, 9 says, Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your crops. Now, here's, before we get into the lies, here, here's what I've learned through the years. The minute I listen to even entertain a lie of the enemy, I become deceived. And when I'm deceived, I get defensive. So if you're bowed up and defensive right now, it's because you've been deceived. Because when I entertain a lie and I buy a lie, once I buy that lie, then when somebody tells me, hey, dude, you bought a lie, then I, I'm defensive because I said, wait a minute, you can't tell me I bought a lie. And so I deceived and I become defensive. Lie number one, I can't afford to give. I can't afford to give. Could I tell you, you can't afford not to. 
I, I can't afford to give. Paul dealt with that. Paul talked about the Macedonians who first gave themselves. Jesus talked about the widow who gave her widow's might. When you look at the Bible, there is no way that we should be listening to the devil who tells us we can't afford to give. Why does the devil tell us that? Why do you buy that lie? Why do people buy that lie? They buy that lie because they don't understand that the devil does not want you to honor God with your money. So when you say, I can't afford to do it, what you're saying is, I'm agreeing with the devil. I shouldn't honor God with my money. That's that simple. If I honor God with my money, then God uses my money to advance the kingdom. And so God begins to use me to carry out the gospel in multiple ways and in multiple places that I won't even know about until eternity. I can't afford to give. God doesn't want you to buy that lie. It's no lie number two. Giving time is as good as money. Giving time is as good as money. Well, let's just take that one. If you tithe your time, that's 16.8 hours a week that you're giving to the cause of Christ. Are you doing that? Are you giving 16.8 hours a week? That's 10% of your time. Are you giving 16.8 hours a week to the cause of Christ? Some of us have a hard time making one hour on Sunday. And the average person prays less than two minutes a day. I mean, we're not even close to giving the minimum to God. Giving time is as good as money. Exodus chapter 20 says God wants a day. Now remember, God always reserves something for himself in the physical realm to remind us of something in the spiritual realm. So in the garden, God said, that tree, that's mine. Don't touch it. They touched it, and we've all been in trouble ever since. God said, there's a day. I want you to honor me with a day. We don't honor God with a day. He says, I want you to honor me with a tithe. God always sets something aside as a reminder. You know why there's a day set aside and why there's a tithe set aside? So that as we teach our children, we are reminding them over and over and over again that we live in a physical world, but we are really related to a spiritual world, the things of God. And so I, giving my time is as good as money. That's a lie. Lie number three, this is a big one in the church. Supporting my favorite parachurch group or my kids in college or private school tuition with God's money is okay. But that's not the tithe. Paying for private school tuition is not the tithe. That's what you do with what you've got left. You see, your first fruits belong to the local church. You say, well, I just don't believe that. I believe you can give to this and give to that, and you can do this and you can do that. Well, they brought it to the storehouse in the Old Testament, and in Acts chapter 2, when they met all the needs of the people in the church, they brought it to the church house. Storehouse, church house, same thing. Temple, church. So we bring it to the storehouse. Now, I give... To every love offering in this church, every one we've ever had, I give to every benevolence offering we ever take up. I give to other ministries. I, I give to revival ministries. I give to prayer ministries. I, I give money to the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association. I give money all over the place, but it never comes out of what I give to this church. 
I don't ever say, well, if I take $1,000 away from what I give to the church, I can give it to the Then it becomes my money. And it's not an offering. It's a theft. <laughs> because I've stolen from one ministry to bless another ministry. Now, it's going to be hard for you to get your head around this, but I'm just telling you, these are lies the enemy tells us over and over again. And there are a thousand ways that people ask us for money and ask you for money. And you go, well, this person's doing this, and this person's doing that, and this person's doing this, and this person's doing that. Listen, God will show you what you need to do, but your basic, faithful, consistent giving should never suffer because there's a need, because God's given you what you need to meet that need if you're supposed to be a part of meeting it. God's provided that for you. So, let me just say one more word. It's not the tithe to pay for your kid's college or your kid's private Christian school education. Even the IRS knows that. You can't deduct it. You can deduct a church gift for now, but you can't deduct it. I mean, even the IRS doesn't buy that lie. <laughs> and if the, Listen, the IRS bought every lie in the world, so even if the IRS doesn't buy the lie, why are you buying the lie? Lie number four, let the rich people do it. Well, I've been at this church 27 years. I tell you, the rich people could all fit on about one half of a row. It's just us, folks. And by the way, based on studies, if you live on welfare in America, you are among some of the richest people in the world. Based on people that make 25 cents a week, Pastors in Romania that make $25 a month. People that live from paycheck to paycheck still are blessed. In this country, we are still blessed far more than we can imagine. And by the way, Jesus always notices the widow's gift. Lie number five, it's my money. It's my money. Well, my only response to that is it was his blood it was freely shed for you, freely shed for you. So I don't know if you want to go down the road with God on it's my money when it took him giving his son to die on a cross for your sin, to pay the price for your sin. Your sin debt could not be paid by all the money in the world. It had to be paid by Jesus. Line number six, my little won't matter. My little won't matter. You don't know that. You do not know that. We, we took a disaster relief offering last week. I don't know who gave what. I don't know who put a dollar in and who put a hundred dollars in. It doesn't really matter. It was, it was a good offering and it's going to allow us to do some things for some people. And you know what? That was a spontaneous offering at the end of the service. Nobody came here prepared knowing that we were going to do that. You see, it, it, it may be your money and you may think your little bit won't matter, but you really don't know that. I know this. If I don't do what God says, then I'm mocking God because verse 7 of Galatians says God is not mocked. The Bible says knowing what is right to do and not doing it is a sin. The Bible says whatever is not of faith is a sin. When I give, I give by faith. 
I give by faith that I'm going to have a job. I give by faith that, that I'm going to be obedient to God and he's going to bless that. Let me give you the principles of sowing. We reap what we sow. We reap more than we sow and we reap later than we sow. I was out in California this week doing a uh, memorial service for a 42-year-old young man. And while there, I drove around a lot of farmland. A lot of farmland. I mean, a lot of it. And so I see trees, and these trees are one-year-old, and this section over here, these trees are two years old, and this section here, these trees are three years old. And when they're three years old, they start bearing and when they get five, seven, then they start producing more. And when they get eight or nine years old, then they max on, on what they're going to produce per acre. You know what? When you, when you put that tree in the ground and it's a one-year-old tree, you're not seeing anything. But you reap what you sow. And you reap more than you sow. And you reap later than you sow. So you have to make an investment in the soil and to lovingly care for it so that one day there's a crop that produces that actually is what makes the money. Do you understand that you may not see everything now, but it will come. Number two, learn God's truth about obedience and blessings. Let me just give you some facts here. These are amazing to me. According to the Wall Street Journal, 70% of Americans live paycheck to paycheck. According to one study, most Americans live at 115% of their income. Less than 30% of Americans have any idea of how to use a budget. 90% of American couples argue about money more than anything else. Less than 10% of Americans have computed a target goal for retirement. And according to the U.S. Census Bureau, 62% of people in America today, with, now this is including people on Social Security, 62% of people today will retire with less than $10,000 a year to live off of. Because there's no plan. Because there's no believing what God says about how we're to operate. And so we buy the lie and we squander our future. So let me give you some truths. First of all, it starts with prayer. It starts with prayer. If money is big enough to worry about and argue about and fight about, it's big enough to pray about. So are you praying about your finances? Do you pray about what you spend? Do you pray about what you give? Do you pray about what you invest in? Or do you just act out of emotion? Because if you act out of emotion, you're going to find that there's a legitimate thing that God puts on your heart and you've acted out of emotion and not out of obedience and you'll miss the blessing. It all starts with prayer. Praying about what you should do. Secondly, you need a plan. You need a plan. Proverbs 21.5, the plan of the diligent leads surely to advantage, but everyone who is hasty comes surely to poverty. You need a plan. Jonathan Beasley, who used to be on our staff, was our youth minister back in the early 90s, uh, used to freeze his credit cards. He put them in ice and he froze his credit cards. So if he went to the mall and he saw someone said, man, I really want that, He'd have to go home and let the credit card thaw out, and it gave him about two hours to think about it. 
You say, that's a dumb plan. Well, how many things have you bought that you really wish you hadn't bought? I mean, you drive the car off the lot, the new car smell goes out, and it goes down in value $9,000. And they tell you, tough luck. And you're upside down in it. Listen, can I just give you a piece of advice? Since it's all God's. Before you give anybody anything, ask them if they've prayed about it and ask them if, ask them if they have a plan. Because if they haven't prayed about it and if they don't have a plan, God's not telling you to do something with somebody that's prayerless and doesn't have a plan. It'll solve you. It'll help you say no easier and it'll help you say yes to the right things. Do you have a plan? What is it? Proverbs 16.3, commit to the Lord whatever you do and your plans will succeed. Impulse buying. Oh, man, we are suckers for impulse buying. By the way, did you know that 52% of all gifts, all gifts, all gifts, say all gifts. 52% of all gifts given at Christmas this year in America were returned. You went out there and you spent money on people and the first thing they thought was on December 26th, this is going somewhere else. 42% of clothes were returned. I know they'll love this. Well, 42% of them don't love it. Give them a $5 gift card to Chick-fil-A and bless them and just move on. <laughs> they'll be happy, they'll be fed, and you'll be blessed and Nobody's ever returned a Chick-fil-A gift card, so. <laughs> Truth number three, exercise discipline. Proverbs 13, 18. He who ignores discipline comes to poverty and shame, but whoever heeds correction is honored. So learn to wait until you can afford it. Hey, let me just give you a couple of thoughts here. We do a crown financial class here at the church we, we do a, a financial peace class here at the church. We're going to start a class on finances uh, on Sunday morning, the first Sunday morning of February, I think is when we're starting it. It's a series called Refinance. It's a series that I wrote for Lifeway that has been used in about 9,000 churches. So we just decided if I'm going to write material and 9,000 churches are going to use it, maybe a class here will use it. How to get your financial act together so that you're not living in bondage and fear and you're not living under the crunch and under the pressure and then you buy the lie and the devil says, see, look at the mess you got yourself in. Now, he got you to buy the lie. But you need a plan. You need to pray. You need to exercise discipline. So, I know little Debbies are great. I mean, I, I, I know they're great. And junk food, you know, those... Those donuts, 900 in a bag that have powder on them, and, and you're, just, you're just eating junk. But it looks so good sitting on the shelf. And then you leave it there for about two weeks, and those white powdered donuts turn green. And then you throw them away. And we just buy all this stuff. Use coupons. I mean, just shop smart. Wait for the sale. Don't pay, don't pay full price for anything. Now, people in retail business hate me when I say that. <laughs> but, you know, if the sweater is one year old and $100 less than it was a year ago, why not wait? 
You don't have to keep up with the Joneses. Listen, the Joneses have filed bankruptcy three times. <laughs> and you're trying to keep up with them, and you're miserable. Because you see, if you've got a plan, and if you know what you're doing and how you need to be doing it, once you have that plan, then when a need comes up and somebody says, hey, I'm, I'm going to do this or I want to do that, and you say, you know what? God's allowed me to discipline my life, and I can be a blessing to you. Because there's always going to be needs. There's always going to be something that you can get involved in. And God wants you to do that, but he wants you to prayerfully do that and to do it with a plan. Truth number four, refinance by faith. Verse 9 of Galatians 6, Let us not lose heart in doing good, for in due time we will reap if we do not grow weary. The last thing the devil wants is for you to get out of bondage. Um, if I'm going through and eating fast food, I see people all the time, and I know they're using debit cards, but still the bottom line is people buy stuff on credit cards and they end up paying $900 for a hamburger because they pay minimum payments. If you looked at your bill lately, at your current paying off minimum payments, you will pay off that card, whatever it is. If it's $3,000 or $30,000, you will pay it off in 33 years. 33 years. Now, let me ask you something. Is it worth it to supersize your meal and supersize your debt so that at the end of the day, you bought a hamburger and you paid $900 for it. Over 33, can I tell you something? 33 years from now, you're not going to remember that hamburger, but that bill's going to keep coming every month telling you you're making a minimum payment. People think I'm making a minimum payment and you know, I'm making progress. No, you're losing ground. I saw a credit card application this week. This is what it said. $5,000, no interest for 2017, at which point if you miss a payment or late one day on a payment or whatever, it becomes 23.24% interest on everything you buy on that credit card starting in 2018. That is insane. At the rate that interest rates are at, can I tell you what credit cards are? They are a ripoff you got a better chance of being hit by a meteorite than you do paying off a credit card if you're just going to keep spending and adding to it. So have a plan. Operate by faith. Truth number five, sow seeds of faith. Now, this is where it begins with our children. We teach our children they can't have everything they want. Have you ever pushed a preschooler down the aisle in a grocery cart? There are demon-possessed people that run grocery stores. <laughs> they put all the stuff at eye level for a kid in a grocery cart. They don't put the animal crackers down on the bottom row. They put them at eye level so the kids go, ah, ah, and then they start crying, and mom says, get the animal crackers so they'll shut up. Just <laughs> give them to them. Why do they put candy at the front, at the checkout stand? So that your kids will pull and pull and pull until you just say, here, sugar, like that's going to help on the car ride. <laughs> hey, let's give them more sugar. I'm sure it'll get better. You have to teach your kids that they don't get everything they want when they want it. If you don't, 
You're going to raise children that end up in more financial bondage than you are. The word wait and the word no are not bad words. You're not a sorry parent if you say wait or no. You're trying to teach them discipline. So, if, if I'm going to sow seeds and sow seeds of faith, then what is the fruit of the Spirit? One of them is self-control. 2 Corinthians 9, 6. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Let me give you some quick summary thoughts here. If I sow believing God, I will reap growth in my spiritual life. Where your treasure is, there your heart is also. That's what Jesus said. If I sow believing God, I will reap growth in my spiritual life. Number two, if I sow believing God, I'll find I don't have as many wants and needs. I'll find I don't have as many wants and needs. Let me just explain that real quickly. When Terry and I first got married, it was survival mode. Okay? I mean, we, we had nothing. We got married in college. We were young and in love, and we wanted to get married. And, you know, after all, love is all you need. So we had $25 a week for groceries. I have eaten more canned corn and fish sticks in my life than I can ever explain. I never had to ask what we were having for supper because you could buy like a gazillion fish sticks, which had no fish in them. <laughs> but you could buy like a gazillion of them for $5. And then we went to this thing before there was like a Sam's Club, and we'd buy a case of canned corn for like $2.50. So come home for dinner. What's for dinner? Corn and fish sticks. People invite us over to eat. We thought we were in a personal revival. As long as they didn't serve corn and fish sticks. When you're young, it's survival. But then, you know, you both get a job and then you start getting a little bit of increase and you start getting a little more money, and before you know it, you're depending on both salaries, and you're trying to live off of that, and then something happens, and one of you can't work, and now you're in bondage, and things just begin to spiral out of control. And what happens when we get money, I, listen, I've done it. We're married. I'm riding a bicycle. I bought a used bicycle to deliver prescriptions to people in Clinton, Mississippi, my junior year in college. My bicycle got stolen after six weeks. So then I had to walk, and Terry worked at Gaffer's, and so she's making about $75 a week, and I'm making about $50 a week, and we're living in a $25 a month ministerial housing. I mean, we, we got nothing. The, the shower in the apartment above us is about to come through us at any point. I'm thinking, ministerial student dies, shower collapses on him. I'm just... I mean, we've got nothing, but I saw a stereo I wanted. I, I mean, I had my old record player, but I found this stereo I wanted. And it was at Gaffer's, and because Terry worked at Gaffer's, she got a little bit of a discount. And so I talked her into buying that stereo. And we put it on a credit card. It was a $149 stereo. I mean, it is a Mac system.
And then we couldn't do some things we needed to do. And then we started justifying it. But I had a stereo. Had what I wanted. Can I update that? The new iPhone's coming out in a few months. Oh, I got to have it. I mean, it's got one megapixel more on the camera than the one I got now. The one I got now is fine. But it's got one megapixel more, and it's got more memory, and i got to have it. And I want to tell you, folks, you teach your kids that every time something new comes out, they got to have it. You are destroying your children's concept of stewardship. Amen. And kids, if you think you got to have it, just trust me. You're going to be in the poorhouse all your life. You're never going to get out of it. Because you can't get everything just because it's new and just because it comes out and just because it looks. I was one of the last people. Brian Kelly was the only one. I was one of the last people on this staff to go to an iPhone because I was fine, fine with a BlackBerry. I figured the president can use a BlackBerry, I can use a BlackBerry. So <laughs> You don't have to have new everything. If I sow... I no longer put a lid on God because I don't want a lid on blessings. I don't want a lid on the blessings that God can give me. Are you always ready? To be a giver. I mean, quite honestly, you know, your left hand shouldn't know what your right hand's doing, but I'm trying to help you here. If I sow, I don't put a lid on God because I don't want a lid on blessings. Sometimes I'm, I may have some cash in my pocket, and while I'm talking to somebody, God will say to me, Give them your cash. And I never even think about it anymore. Not because I have a lot of cash, but because I don't want to lit on God's blessings. If God's told me to do something to bless somebody, then I know that God's going to make it up somehow. I, mean, I don't know how he'll do it, but I know God's going to make it up somehow. And so I just want to be a conduit that God can use to run blessings through, not have a lid or a cap on the blessings. And then finally... Once you start sowing, you wish you'd started sooner. Once you start sowing, you wish you'd started sooner. Now, one quick word on point number three. I'm going to take about one minute. If you're just right by point number three, the truth is living by grace can make us casually committed if we aren't disciplined. Just write Deuteronomy 8. Deuteronomy 8. It's a reminder. It's a warning. It's a perspective. It's about values. And here's what... Just one verse in Deuteronomy 8 says, verse 18, But you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who is giving you power to make wealth. Look at this quote from Joseph Parker. Receive into the mind the full impression of this doctrine, and you will find yourself working side by side with God. What a blow this text strikes at one of the most popular and mischievous fallacies in life, namely... That man is the maker of his own money. It's a fallacy that we are the makers of our own money. God is our source. God's our source. And if I refinance my life 
then I'm going to be able to bless people I couldn't have blessed before. I'm going to be able to be used of God in ways I couldn't have been used before because there is a law of sowing and reaping. Would you pray with me, please? Now, with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I just want to ask you a simple question. In a moment, we're going to walk out of here and go to Bible study, but I want to ask you a question before you leave. Are you inclined to believe the lies of the devil or are you inclined to say yes to God? What is your inclination? Where's your heart lean? Where do you go in your mind to justify what you want to do or to say, God, I'm available, I'm your instrument do what you want to do in and through my life. You see, Jesus told the story about the Word of God being like seed that falls on the ground and it doesn't take root and the birds snatch it up and it bears no fruit. That can happen with a sermon. We can hear and before we get out the door into our car, the devil's already stolen that seed and said, you don't have to listen to that. You don't have to do that. You don't have to obey that. Stop listening to lies and learn truth. Because when you learn truth, God begins to open doors of opportunity for you in ways that you cannot begin to imagine. And he allows you to be a blessing to people in ways that you cannot be a blessing to them right now. Now, for those of you that are obeying God and have a plan and all that kind of stuff, the question for you today is, what more does God want you to do? For those of you that have not started, the question is, when are you going to begin? Because if you wait, tomorrow is always the devil's word. God wants obedience today. So I'm going to pray for you. And then John's going to come up and tell you about the ministry fair. But the invitation today is very simple for every one of us to draw that circle around our lives and say, Lord, I am committed to the truth of your word about finances. It's, that's all the invitation is. I'm committed to the truth of your word about finances and what you Teach me in your word I want to obey because I want my life to be a river and a conduit of blessing in the lives of others by my obedience to your word. Father, I ask you in the name of Jesus that you would help us in this area. Lord, it's uh, a big topic of discussion in our nation about 20 trillion dollars in debt but for some folks in this church it's five figures in debt and not knowing how to get out of it Lord forgive us when we uh, don't trust you in the simple decisions of life in the prioritizing of life and help us as your people to be a living witness in this community of being givers givers to the church, givers to the needs of others, of being people who are not 
filled with greed like this world is filled with greed, but filled with grace the way God has called us to be filled with grace. Lord, I ask for freedom and deliverance from bondage from folks in this room. I ask that the truth would go deep from your word and that the application would be clear starting with the next paycheck. Lord, I thank you that you will supply all of our needs according to your riches in Christ Jesus. And that if you know the number of hairs on our head and the, the bird that falls to the ground, you certainly know what our needs are. And you're willing and ready for your children to come to you by faith and sometimes in desperation to say, Lord, I want to be an obedient child to you. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.